ask viewers why they watch True Detective and they'll most likely tell you the plot and the performances. But that can be said of almost every good TV show. At their best, plot and performances are indivisible. Good performances result from credible characters and credible characters drive a compelling plot. Why? Because character is plot. Without credible characters, actors have no strong motivations to steer their performances. Without convincing performances, the plot lacks direction. Character is plot. But there is another reason why season one of True Detective proved so magnetic. Structure. And the show's creator, Nick Pizzolatto, chose a unique one to tell the story. Some say True Detective resembles a novel, which given Pizzolatto's background as an author would make sense. He started out writing short stories before penning his award-winning first novel, Galveston, in 2010. Soon thereafter, he mapped out a new novel, True Detective, but early in the process, he decided it would instead better suit a long-form TV show. But no matter whether a story is told in a book, TV show, or even a poem, the format does not determine the structure. In order to see how unique Pizzolatto's structure is, we need to firstly look at conventional structure. Whatever the plot, a detective story is always reactive. A crime has been committed and has to be investigated. Even if the story is told strictly chronologically, without flashbacks, every mystery immediately introduces two timelines. The present tense timeline of the investigation and the past tense timeline when the crime was committed. Piecing together the clues, whenever the detective interviews a witness, the conversation immediately examines the past tense timeline. You've had word of your sister? A letter from her about two weeks ago. It said nothing except that she was all right. I sent her a telegram begging her to come home. I sent it to General Delivery here. That was the only address she gave me. I waited a week and no answer came, so I decided to come out here myself. I wrote her that I was coming. I shouldn't have done that, should I? Oh, it's not always easy to know what to do. You haven't found it. No. Could I talk to you about it in private? No, you can't talk to me about it in privacy because I got Cobert's wallet right here in my hand. We took it from Harvey Overs. You don't think he gave it to him, do you? I don't know, but Overs could have come along after the crime, found it, picked it up. I don't know. That's what the boy said he did. Well, I'm sorry, man, but I said different. Well, when I examined the deceased, it was obvious that the fatal blow was struck from an angle of 17 degrees from the right, which makes it almost certain the person who did it is right-handed. So what? I found these in your backyard in the pond. They belonged to your husband, didn't they? Didn't they? I don't know. Yes, probably. Yes, positively. It's where he was drowned. What? There's no time to be shocked by the truth. The coroner's report proves that he had salt water in his lungs when he was killed. Just take my word for it, all right? Now, I want to know how it happened, and I want to know why, and I want to know before Escobar gets here, because I don't want to lose my license. The Maltese Falcon, In the Heat of the Night, Chinatown, and countless other mysteries unfold chronologically. Other detective stories deploy flashbacks, using them to help explain the mystery. In True Detective, the flashbacks don't explain, but rather deepen the mystery. In 1995, detectives Rustin Cole, played by Matthew McConaughey, and Martin Hart, played by Woody Harrelson, were assigned to investigate the murder of a young woman, Dora Lang, in the parish of Vermilion, Louisiana. You ever see something like this? 
No, sir. Eight years CID. Them symbols. The satanic. They had a 2020 on it a few years back. ID? No, sir. Cole and Hart linked the murder to the disappearance of several children. And when Cole and Hart found two men holding children captive for sexual torture, deep in the bayou, the case appeared to reach its conclusion. That happened in episode 5, but as early as the very first scene of the very first episode, Cole and Hart were recounting their investigation to two police detectives some 18 years after the showdown in the bayou. So for some reason, the intervening years have revealed more questions than answers to the crimes, and now it is the investigators who are under investigation. Look, you are my help. Just show me the rest of the file. Why are you so hard to see the new discovery file, man? Why are y'all so hot to not give it to me? It's supposed to be like a consultation, right? Yeah, but uh, you go first. You take me through it, and I'll let you see what we got. I'll hold you to that. This structure introduced a third timeline. And for me, this is what elevates True Detective above most other TV shows and feature films. The first timeline is the one we never see, when the crimes took place. The second is the one we do, Cole and Hart trying to piece the clues together. The third timeline takes place in the investigation room. This third timeline cuts back and forth between 1995 and 2012, and thereby calls into question the reliability of what Cole and Hart said in their initial testimonies. The unreliable narrator has been a favourite of storytellers from as far back as ancient Greece, when Aristophanes wrote a story that ended with the narrating character Xanthius saying, and then I woke up. And in cinema, we have had Citizen Kane, Rashomon, Badlands, The Usual Suspects, Memento, Atonement, and most recently, Gone Girl. By suturing shut the investigation in episode 5, Pizzolatto left audiences wondering what lies Cole and Hart might have been telling. And so, at the start of episode 6, with three episodes remaining, we were encouraged to believe that when the truth would finally out, it would fold back against the deceitful detectives. Think about this. You said it. He'd been there three months. And you two catch a healer like you've never had before or since. One that he shines on. You saying he did such a great job. Didn't he get you every bit of evidence? Didn't he push you where he wanted to go? He brought you Rianne Libye. She wasn't one of the dudes. She was one of his. What'd he say? Life is a disease. When he heard the Abbeville prisoner, Francis knew something. He got on it. He shut it down. You ever thought if he made that phone call to the prisoner? Like, I don't know, the guy was trying to blackmail him? He got on that too, didn't he? The idea that the land killer was still out there. Of course, we deduced that by the sheer number of glaring discrepancies between what we saw in the flashbacks and what we heard Cole and Hart tell the investigators. While I was hunkered down behind this old decrepit boat, Captain America, Marty Hart, decides he's going to run deep into the woods, flank around the back of the house where Ledoux's firing at us, right? Well, he sneaks up behind Ledoux, and just as Ledoux turns, bam, popped one off in him. 
headshot, clean, dropped him. That is until you realise that the structure serves Pizzolatto's theme just as much as it does the plot. What is the theme? There are several. Masculinity, identity, religion, politics, paganism, and just for good measure, existence. But the one I want to examine is time. I've already mentioned the three timelines, so consider this. Someone once told me time is a flat circle. Everything we've ever done or will do, we're going to do over and over and over again. And that little boy and that little girl, they're going to be in that room again. And again. And again. Forever. And now consider these two elements. The case appeared closed by episode 5, but really wasn't. So... Just as Cole said that time is a flat circle, the plot comes back around to revisit one of the characters we had met before, only for us to realise that we had already met the killer. This circularity is visualised in the climactic moment when Cole finally confronts the maniacal Errol Childress. Although we are deep in the bayou, we're not in Louisiana anymore, but ancient Greece, chasing the Minotaur through the maze. And remember, the Minotaur had horns. Just before Cole finally confronts Childress, he looks up and sees the universe, its myriad of stars in majestic rotation. That may sound a bit too literal, but it's not really because the image contains another theme at which Pizzolato has been picking through the previous seven episodes. The struggle between dark and light. In that moment of immense danger, Cole manages to see the light for what it is. Which brings me neatly from the plot all the way back, yes, to the characters. Listen to their names, Cole and Hart. McConaughey's character holds a view of the universe so black and isolating, it verges on nihilism. Detective Hart, on the other hand. Not everybody wants to sit alone in an empty room beating off the murder manuals. Some folks enjoy community, the common good. All of this would be nonsense if Pizzolatto hadn't woven his script with such philosophical musings. His dialogue draws together dozens of seemingly disparate elements, which is yet another reason why audiences were so intrigued. Have you ever heard conversations like this in any other American TV show? Certain linguistic anthropologists think that religion is a language virus that rewrites pathways in the brain, dulls critical thinking. Well, I don't use $10 words as much as you, but for a guy who sees no point in existence, you sure fret about it an awful lot. And you still sound panicked. At least I'm not racing to a red light. Such dialogue feeds into everything within the show right from the opening credits, which circles us neatly back around to the beginning. Those opening credits, an award-winning sequence created by Elastic Production Design, superimpose the faces of McConaughey and Harrelson over the Louisiana landscape, the bayous, the highways, the oil refineries. By superimposing the images, we see how Cole and Hart's faces became landscapes in themselves, aged by time 
and scarred by the events. Their faces indicate that they are as much products of their environment as we are products of our age. But if all that sounds depressingly deterministic, just remind yourself what Cole admits to in the show's closing seconds. It was like I was, I was a part of everything that I ever loved. And we were all, the three of us just, just fading out. And all I had to do was let go. And I did. I said, darkness, yeah. And I disappeared. But I could, I could still feel her love there. Even more than before. Nothing. Nothing but that love. Season 1 of True Detective is a true classic. Season 2 has wisely opted for different characters, different setting, and a different structure. And I hope the changes help it equal what has gone before.